I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. with a full episode for you this week. We have Lauren Sophia on the show with us this week. And if you follow her on Instagram or are familiar with her work, you may think of her as innate fertility. So that's where you can find her on social media and her website and stuff like that. She actually also recently just launched her very own podcast. So this is new information to me and I'm so happy for her and so excited for her. So you'll definitely want to check out her podcast as well. But today we have a good old chat about fertility and ways to best support your body and nourish your body as you prepare for pregnancy. So if this is a stage of your life that you're in right now, amazing. This will apply to you right now, but maybe you're not in this stage of life, but honestly, I don't think it's ever too early to learn about how to best nourish your body. And honestly, (laughs) I will say that a lot of what we talk about today, like it doesn't just apply to pregnancy, but just supporting your body so it is functioning properly. Because as Lauren does mention in the show, our bodies are made to reproduce. Whether or not you plan to have a family someday, our bodies were made to reproduce. So even if having a family someday is not on your agenda, that's okay. I want you to listen to this episode and learn how to best nourish your body. So enjoy today's episode and I'll be back next week with a brand new guest and also some exciting news. Hi Lauren, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on with me today. Hey Meg, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time now, probably like a year, over a year at least. And I'm just really excited to sit down with you today. And we have a really great episode planned for everyone. But before we dive into what we really want to get starting to talk about, I did a little bit of an intro to you before we dove into our conversation today. But for anyone who's tuning into this episode and maybe just meeting you for the first time, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and letting everyone know who you are. Oh, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, so my name is Lauren Sophia. I am a kind of like 360 degree fertility wellness practitioner. And uh, what that means is I focus on not only preconception, pregnancy, or, you know, prenatal stuff, but uh, preconception, pregnancy, postpartum, and other things like just healing the body from birth control or dealing with other reproductive issues like PCOS or endometriosis and things like that. And not just for women either. I'm also working on the male side as well because it takes two to tango. And so I devote my time and my practice to helping women with all these things, whether it's, you know, preparing for conception or regulating their cycles to maybe prepare for conception in the future, or, um, you know, have the most vibrant, thriving pregnancy they can have, or have a really resilient and energetic postpartum that is full of healing and quick recovery. So Um, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Amazing. And you actually have a fertility course or like a preconception course. And I own that course and it is incredible. So we can make sure we talk more about that, your course at the end of the show too, just so everyone can hear 
about that and learn a little bit more about that from you. But okay, so talking about fertility and pregnancy, preconception, postpartum, all that stuff, when I was going through holistic nutrition school, that was honestly one of my favorite topics. I loved it so much. So I'm curious what kind of brought you into this field of health, wellness, nutrition, and caring so deeply about these topics. Yeah, so that's a great question. And yeah, it was one of my favorites too, but um, it was spurred by a not so great experience. So um, I I got into this field because of um, my terrible experience with the birth control pill, the hormonal birth control pill. And, you know, hindsight's 2020. Uh, of course, I've made a lot of connections to all the issues that I was experiencing while on the pill. Um, but some of the things were... Um, subclinical hypothyroidism, prediabetes, candida. I developed an autoimmune disease and um, I had really bad melasma. Um, and so those are just a couple of things too. Uh, but, you know, it, I was on it for eight years, never really connected the dots until I actually started researching on my own and kind of, you know, took, took control of my health and was like, <laughs> I'm not getting the answers that I need I'm going to do it myself. So, um, you know, all those things, um, I was able to heal and they were through just nutrition and lifestyle changes. And I had so much success with myself that I was like, oh my gosh, I need to help other people with this. And one of the coolest parts about that whole journey was that I actually healed my own lifelong asthma, which I'd been taking steroid inhalers for, for 20 years. So I was like, I, I've not only healed my reproductive, you know, issues, I've healed my asthma, which I thought was like, absolutely not connected, but it, it was. So, um, I went back to school. I've done a numerous certifications now, and, um, I shifted to specializing in fertility, because for, for a couple of reasons, um, one of them was uh, a lot of my clients started getting pregnant and um, or wanting to prepare. And so I wanted to help support them through all the phases because they're not only going to get pregnant, they're going to be pregnant and then they're going to be postpartum, you know, they're going to be moms. Um, and those are all those all require very special um, care. Um, so. I, I started diving into the research, but also I was very uh, sort of inspired by my mom's own pregnancies as well. Uh, she had two preeclampsias. Uh, well, it was with two out of three pregnancies, she had preeclampsia, excuse me. I was going to say preeclampsia babies. Um, I am a preeclampsia baby as well. I was un underweight um, and, you know, just being able to look through the research, my asthma was also very much potentially caused by that and or her own uh, asthma during that. And there's also like some, it's so interesting how layered and like how much of a cycle everything becomes. Um, and the more I dove into the research there, I realized I have an opportunity to not only help women prepare for pregnancy, uh, but you know, reduce risks during pregnancy. So like pregnancy risks, pregnancy complications, um, help them feel really great, help them have a wonderful postpartum, but also help them have the healthiest baby possible and the healthiest babies that their babies will have because everything that we do from the moment of conception, it impacts two generations into the future. So um, it's kind of like a um, maybe two for one or maybe three for one. <laughs> so that's kind of how I ended up in this field. And it's just an amazing uh, and on very, um, I feel very honored to be able to work with so many women in such a special time of their life. No doubt. So for you, it really started with like the birth control piece and then led you to working with your clients and them getting pregnant and things like that. 
So yeah, like your page on Instagram and everything that you create, you know, it's not just about birth control, as you said, like it's this 360, you know, um, holistic approach to hormones and fertility. And I really, really love that about you. And you said something, you know, there's so many phases of pregnancy. It's not just pregnancy. It's not just postpartum, but you actually really help women prepare for pregnancy. So I would love to dive into that because that's honestly like what your course is about, right? It's really (laughs) setting the body up for this thriving pregnancy. And that doesn't happen right when you get pregnant. It happens before. So if our listeners are tuning into this episode and they are thinking about getting pregnant they know they want to you know have a family someday when would you tell them to start this journey or you know start being more intentional about taking care of themselves in this way or supporting their body pre-pregnancy Wow, that is such a loaded question, Meg. <laughs> um, I think it's different for everyone because nobody has ever lived or had the same life experiences, had the same diet, had the same kind of you know trajectory. Um, and as like similar as we can probably think it up in our minds, our health was also determined by our grandparents' health. So, you know, going back, you kind of have to think far back. <laughs> in terms of like looking at things holistically um that said you know there is some guidance um well that I do provide in the course but also um, I'm actually updating it with like this flow chart that you'll be able to kind of map your own journey which is really fun um but um yeah it's it's you know I think it when preparing for pregnancy there's definitely like generalizations like oh your doctor will tell you three months and that's because of, of this thing called folliculogenesis. And that's when the eggs are most um, in, in the maturation of the eggs. That's the most sensitive part and the, the, the part that will lead to uh, the egg getting released. Um, and so those couple months right before the potential egg gets released, like that's the most delicate and they're most susceptible to like, you know, oxidative stress and free radicals and stress and all this other stuff. Uh, but it really starts like a year (laughs) before. Um, And so, you know, just thinking about that, um, of course, the three months is definitely really important, but thinking about, you know, what what have you been eating, you know, up until this point? Um, How have have your stress levels been? Because your stress levels will influence so much too. Um, How has your activity level been? Um, you know, what's your environmental toxin status or heavy metal status? Um, what's your gut health like? Um, you know, do we have any unresolved trauma or stress uh, that, or, or, you know, emotional issues that we need to address too? Because what all the things that I'm talking about are literally going to be imprinted onto the child. And there's actually clinical research to show that. So, it, you know, there's a lot of different areas that we can look at you know, just for example, our microbiome health, like that can influence whether or not you get group B strep, you test positive for that, you know, later in pregnancy. Um, That can also influence the baby's microbiome when they come out of you Um, and, you know, how well equipped they are to tolerate dairy or, you know, something like that, Um, food allergies and things like that. So, you know, it's all kind of very forward-looking, which is sometimes hard for people to kind of see the value in that. Uh, But when you think about, wow, like my state of health can influence not only my baby's health, but my grandchild's health, it's, it's like a huge opportunity and an empowering one, I think, because we have a lot more control than than we think we do. Um, A lot of people will say, oh, it's genetic, whatever prepare anytime you don't need to prepare like (laughs) eat whatever you want it's gonna be fine and like you know I I really can appreciate that kind of attitude too we don't want to like over stress ourselves out about these things because that kind of stress and that kind of maniacal like desire for control 
that's just not possible with something as wild as pregnancy and you know <laughs> making a human like there's going to be a level that we literally cannot control and we have to be okay with that but you know i think we we do have the uh, power to influence things in in the right direction if we if we want to and want to put in the time so um going back to your question uh, i think diet gut health your uh, environmental toxin status, um, your activity level too, you know, how much you're exercising, um, trauma, stress, uh, but also your cycle health, I think that would be the number one thing to look at because your cycle will tell you, it will be a really, really incredible insight into your health in general. Um, it is called the fifth vital sign often and for a very good reason because we have this gift that uh, the male sex does not, and um, it, it communicates with us. And, you know, to to get pregnant, we need to not only understand our fertile windows so we can time intercourse correctly, but our cycle can tell us if we're making enough progesterone or not, which we need for implantation, which is going to support us in the first trimester um, while our placenta is being made. And um, it also protects against birth defects. And, you know, I, I think there's so much power in that. Um, and, you know, it'll also tell us the current state of health. So if we have irregular cycles, that's a sign. Or if we have no periods at all, that's also a sign that our body doesn't feel safe enough to reproduce. And if our body doesn't feel safe enough, then what is causing that lack of safety? Is it emotional stress? Is it physical stress? Is it, you know, nutritional deficiencies? Is it a combination of those things? So we we'll want to look at that because again, all the things that I just mentioned, those examples are going to be imprinted onto our children too. So it's not just about getting pregnant. And, you know, I know that there are women struggling out there to get pregnant and it's not as simple as that for them. And I get it, trust me. <laughs> but um, this is, you know, if we do have the opportunity to improve our health, if that's something that we want to do and can do, um, there's there's so much that we can do. So. Awesome. I like how you brought in the cycle health and that be like basically the first thing that you would have someone look at because we actually do talk a lot about missing periods around here. And since you work with so many women trying to get pregnant or just helping them with their hormones, for any of like the women that you work with, if their cycles aren't regular, if their periods are missing, that sort of thing. Obviously, there are different factors that can come into play affecting that or causing that. But in your experience, like what have you found to be the cause or like the most common cause that causes their body to not feel safe enough to have a period? Um, that's a really good question. I think it, it's going to be different for different people, but I can talk about like maybe a couple of the most common, um, one, the number one are nutritional deficiencies. So a lot of women say, Oh, I eat healthy. Like I eat enough. When you look at what they're eating, they're not eating enough and they're not eating <laughs> like nearly, not nearly enough period. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, and our, our female body is actually quite more sensitive to caloric restriction, caloric changes. Um, and so, our, the, and you know, the hormonal cascade starts in our brain. And so if we're not getting enough calories, our brain's going to be like, oh, this is not enough calories. We should not probably release these hormones to reproduce. So it's going to withhold those things until it can feel safe enough to do that. Um, so one, not eating enough calories to not eating enough of the right nutrients. Um, there's a whole diet culture out there. Um, and, you know, I've been victim to it. Um, <laughs> and um, I think that there's, you know, I, I think we forget that, especially with social media and the culture that it brings the, these unrealistic expectations, all of the like filters, all of these like terrible trends on TikTok that are like um, body check you know, it's, it's like absolutely heinous so and we forget what a, <laughs> it is. We forget what a real woman looks like and to reproduce and to be fertile, we have to have a certain amount of body fat. We have to eat, you know, and not only enough calories, but enough nutrients. Um, and our food, you know, is if we're eating a restrictive diet, 
uh, anything that restricts like a primary macronutrient, like, you know, and, and hopefully this doesn't come off the wrong way, but we have to take even extra care if we're doing diets like keto or carnivore or uh, vegan and veganism, vegetarianism, because those are all restricting certain kinds of macronutrients. And if we're restricting a macronutrient, we're going to be more prone to micronutrient deficiencies as well. Uh, we need a lot of protein, which is a primary macronutrient uh, for fertility, but also we need lots of, you know, B vitamins and minerals and all these fat soluble vitamins that you won't get if you're on a low fat diet too. Uh, so it's just, we have to kind of be realistic with ourselves. Uh, and that's why the diet component is so important when you're preparing for pregnancy. Um, because also we don't know how pregnancy is going to go. I think a lot of women are like, oh, I'll eat healthier when I'm you know, pregnant. But you don't know if you're going to have morning sickness or hypermesis, like you don't know if you're going to be puking the whole pregnancy or the three months, like the first three months. Um, food aversions are absolutely terrible. So, you know, the more we can try to train and incorporate more nutritious foods, micronutrient rich foods into our diet prior to pregnancy, the better we might feel about it if we have morning sickness or something like that. Um, so that's, those are two things. Um, and then I think stress uh, so is a really under um, uh, underlooked. Uh, oh, maybe that's not the right word, but um, you know it's overlooked. I guess uh, overlooked. There we go. <laughs> um, and I think that we are in a society also where, and, and you know, like I hope uh, this is coming out the right way as well, um, but we're in a society that is, you know, very much, um, revolves around, um, working and grinding and, uh, the, um, that kind of culture, uh, and women have more opportunities than ever before. And that's amazing. Um, career opportunities and job opportunities and the ability to have their own unique independent, um, trajectory. Um, but with that also comes a lot of mismatch in terms of, the way that our body works. Um, men are on, you know, a hormonal cycle that's a daily thing. Women are on a hormonal cycle that's a monthly thing. We're not really meant to be doing the same repetitive thing every single day in and day out. We're, you know, kind of like the waves that crash in and come out and the tide pulls back. And, you know, it, it's, it's, or I think the moon is probably a better example. And maybe men are, are a better example of the, the tide crashing, because uh, that happens every night. But, um, you know, it's, we have, uh, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, uh, not only do we have like already so much pressure to take care of the household and, you know, do all this stuff, but we also take on having a full-time job. We also take on being the primary caregiver for our children. Like we only have so much to give at once. Um, and so just thinking about, you know, where we're spending our energy and if we do have that capacity to give, we may have to redirect this energy to other things. Um, in Ayurvedic uh, medicine, uh, you know, there's this idea of masculine and feminine energy. And uh, if we are constantly in the masculine, there might be more issues like PCOS, for example. Um, and until we can embrace the feminine energy, and that could be a couple of different things. That doesn't have to be, you know, you have to th throw out your whole lifestyle and flip it upside down. But uh, it just requires you to look inward. What does your body really need? What is it asking for? What resonates with you? And, you know, how does this make you feel? Um, and so just a lot of introspection there. So that's kind of one piece of the stress thing. And then the other piece, you know, is uh, a lot of women um, who have uh, more of the um, more of the um, kind of like diagnosed irregularity, um, irregular menstrual cycles, like the ones that we know are PCOS endometriosis, they tend to have a lot of trauma. Um, and, and I'm not speaking for anyone in particular, but um, there's usually some unresolved trauma or childhood trauma that we might need to work through as well. Um, and so just kind of thinking about that, which is terrible because we've been through this trauma and now we have to work through it, you know, to achieve this thing that we want 
you know, um, but it, 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 trauma affects us um, and our, our experiences affect us. They get, our body holds them, our body, you know, adapts in this way to keep us alive and survive, but um, sometimes they can be a barrier as well and they can manifest as these um, other diagnoses. So looking at that as well is really important too. It's so important and honestly why I am studying somatic therapy. I went 12 years without a period and my HA recovery journey was this opportunity for me to really go inward and work through so much of the trauma that I hadn't been able to work through when I was going through eating disorder recovery and it just kind of sparked this thing in me and I realized how passionate I was about like trauma healing and stuff so yeah I fully agree with all of that and I did receive a question from a listener and I actually get this question quite a bit so for those women who have had hypothalamic amenorrhea a lot of them are wondering like what the impact of that has on their fertility for the long run. Do you have anything to kind of offer them? Um, would this be somebody that has like currently HA or has had it in the past? Has had it in the past, recovered, has a regular cycle now, and they're now curious, okay, you know, has this maybe impacted my fertility in any way? Has this, um, I've had the question before, like, am I, you know, has this kind of condensed the amount of years that I am fertile or able to have a healthy pregnancy, that sort of thing? Got it. Okay. That's helpful. Thank you. Um, so I think, I think that I've looked into this, um, whether there are long-term, uh, issues regarding fertility potentially. Uh, but you know, I've, I've also looked into like, does this mean early onset menopause, that kind of thing. Um, I can't find anything that outlines that, uh, Maybe I didn't look in the right place, but uh, that's something that I'm always chipping away at and like looking at. I do know that there can be other health issues uh, potentially at a higher risk, um, like, uh, well, estrogen balance can particularly be impacted. So we might look like we have low estrogen, but one thing that with hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is something I've had actually before, um, I didn't realize you had it. That was something about your story I didn't know. Yeah, I, I had it uh, prior to the birth control pill for about a year. Um, while I was, um, I went on a vegan diet. Um, there we go. To, I adopted a vegan diet uh, for various ethical, um, health, you know, health reasons. Um, but quickly learned that that the diet did not work for me because I lost my period like right away. Um, and it, you know, so I got it back, uh, obviously. Um, but, um, uh, so with HA, you might be dealing with like symptoms of low estrogen, um, or low estrogen, uh, you know, in general, um, there could also be, if you look at the sort of flip side of that, it could be just a retained estrogen in the tissues or stored estrogen in the tissues that needs progesterone to come out. So there's always like kind of something you could look at there. Um, you're not destined to have low estrogen necessarily, um, but uh, it can take a toll on bone health. Even just six months of HA can take a t toll on bone health and increase risk of osteoporosis, um, depression and, and anxiety issues as well are at much higher risk for somebody with HA, um, which makes sense if you think about the psychological impacts of progesterone um, and the sort of excitability of estrogen. Uh, progesterone is really important for uh, reducing stress and reducing anxiety. Um, and so that, that, you know, it, it has some parallels to taking the birth control pill and that you're not getting a period and, and being able to benefit from those hormones. Um, I do think the birth control pill does take a much larger toll. Um, 
but um, there's another uh, risk for something like coronary heart disease as well. Uh, but fertility-wise, you know, I think if you've recovered, if you have a regular period, this is what your body was made to do. Like, even if it's not your own personal mission to have a family, your body's always trying to do this and, you know, have a cycle reproduce. Um, so in my opinion, I don't think that, and we can talk about, you know, sort of elaborate on this too, because I think like, as long as you're giving the body what it needs to flourish I think that the body is so resilient and that there's, you know, so much hope for anyone dealing with HA right now. I don't think there is going to be an issue necessarily for somebody that has had HA recovered and wants to start a family. Um, so, you know, I think it's information though. Uh, so if you don't pay attention to what caused your HA in the first place, then we didn't learn anything. So we should be taking that information if we have been able to identify what caused our HA. Was it under eating? Was it over exercising? Was it an eating disorder? Um, was it, um, you know, um, what are the other causes? Uh, extreme weight loss very quickly, restrictive eating, um, uh, high, really, really intense exercise or stress. Um, is it emotional stress? Is it, you know, there's so many things to stress too, but um, essentially it's, you know, severe stress that causes HA. So if we haven't been able to identify that the causes and learn from them, then we might be at risk for having HA again, or, you know, experiencing reduced fertility because of those things that we haven't been addressing or taking care of. Um, or, or just aware of, cognizant of that, you know, we're extra sensitive to this. Um, so it's about finding out what your individual, you know, kind of uh, equation for that HA and what caused it, and then paying attention to that too uh, for the future. Yeah, because usually it is a combination of you know, not eating enough or under fueling for your activity level or over exercising. Like it's, I always see at least one of those present mm -hmm. or the two of them present, right? So it's all ways about addressing that stress and correcting that energy deficit, whatever is causing that, right? So no, mm -hmm. that was awesome. Thank you so much for that. So if we have listeners and I know okay this question is so like you're gonna be like Meg I could talk about this for hours because this is literally what your Instagram account is all about and your course and everything like that but if we could maybe offer our listeners like if they're sitting there today loving this information you're sharing and thinking I am right where you're talking about like I'm in that place where I'm wanting to support my body pre-pregnancy you talked about you know the first thing you'd look at is your cycle it's your cycle regular you know the health of your cycle let's say that is checked off and then we move into the nutrient piece um, of fueling our body in such a way that is supporting it pre-pregnancy so for women what would maybe be like the, if you wanted to even give them like three big blocks to focus on, if that kind of narrows things down for you or just offer them some of the biggest kind of takeaways that ways that they can support their body, whether that's through specific nutrients or certain foods that you really like to focus on pre-pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so I'll start out by saying there's like no one magic pill or no, no one magic nutrient. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's really a holistic approach um, that's going to optimize you fully uh, because, you know, there's also, you can do a lot of work with nutrition and I think it's very empowering and because it's so much that you can control, but um, there's also people that are going to need to spend more time doing the stress and trauma work or, you know, um, more of like body work too. So just take this with a grain of salt. It's definitely very important to work on nutrition, but it isn't the only thing. Um, so as far as nutrition goes, um, definitely make sure you're getting enough calories. 
uh, as I mentioned, the pituitary gland is very sensitive to caloric restriction, caloric um, you know, fluctuations like drops in calories. Um, our metabolism also increases during the second half of our cycle. So are we getting enough like, you know, calories <laughs> during that cycle, uh, time of our cycle? Because if we're not, we can have low progesterone symptoms like PMS and acne and insomnia and things like that. Um, and so we need to, again, we're a sort of monthly cycle kind of creature. Uh, we need to pay attention to those fluctuations. Um, we're not just a flat line like we would be when we're on the birth control pill or if we were male. <laughs> right. um, so uh, really trying to get in tune with, uh, try, try to get in tune with your hunger signals, try to get in tune with what your body's asking you for, because also the days that we work out versus the days that we don't work out, we might need more fuel too. It's not just a set number of calories every single day. Um, so really trying to get in tune with those fluctuations calorie wise, definitely try to eat enough calories. And this will vary from person to person. I like to use temperature and pulse in my practice just to see where somebody's at. Um, it takes a little bit of finessing and interpretation, but that's also included in the course. Um, and, you know, you can use temperature and pulse to kind of figure out, is this meal supporting me? Is it not? And what is the cumulative kind of like, um, what is the accumulation of, of my meals during this day? And so you can kind of look at that for the nighttime temperature and pulse and the morning temperature and pulse. Um, so, it's a very helpful tool. It's not the end all be all though, uh, but that could be one way that you look into that. Um, the next thing would be to make sure you're getting enough protein. Um, this is a really big miss on a lot of people and a lot of women think that they're getting enough protein, but they're not. They are not getting nearly enough protein. And I think it's because partly um, the guidelines put out by the government are also like severely under under uh underestimating the amount of protein that people need um especially women so really need to get enough protein that is something that you must have at every meal um and really really try hard to get a variety of proteins too so not just meat but also fish also gelatinous foods you know there's a whole uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about um, sort of the paleo movement and, you know, carnivore eating is that they've brought more light to the nose to tail eating. Um, and so that, you know, our ancestors used to eat not only the muscle meat, uh, it was actually not as quite as, it was one of the sort of scraps meat um, to them because it didn't have any fat or, or, you know, kind of the extra gelatinous stuff that made things tastier and, you know, things um, thicker, uh, soups thicker, stews thicker. So really focusing on nose to tail eating when you're getting these proteins in is going to be really important. Um, so make sure to drink bone broth and, you know, soups and stews. And, you know, when you order pho, like I just did last night, because um, I didn't have the time to cook, I love, it's a Vietnamese soup. Um, I order the tripe and the tendon with the uh, raw steak and it, this, the soup is hot, so it cooks the steak. But, um, you know, there you go. You have like some intestines, some tendon. I'm getting tons of collagen, which your needs will increase exponentially in pregnancy. Um, it's also really important for skin health. Um, and, you know, the, the amino acids are also very anti-inflammatory and calming. Uh, so you know, that's just one tip there. And then the, the last, I guess the third tip would be to balance your blood sugar. So, you know, you can eat enough calories and still not have balanced blood sugar. You can eat enough protein and still not have balanced blood sugar. You really need to balance your blood sugar because if you have constant mini emergencies throughout the day, um, so uh, imbalanced blood sugar, whether it's too much um blood uh, sugar in the blood or too little. Uh, typically with women, it tends to be too little because uh, they don't eat enough frequently enough and they don't eat enough uh, carbohydrates, I find. Um, so you could eat, you know, think you're eating enough, 
or balancing your blood sugar, but you're not. And the hormonal impacts of that is we can't utilize progesterone or the progesterone that we're making. So this goes back to hormonal balance and um, supporting progesterone production, cycle health uh, for women dealing with like, you know, um, a luteal phase def deficiency or uh, PMS symptoms or, you know, um, uh, really terrible psychological symptoms during their luteal phase, the second half of their cycle when they're supposed to be making progesterone. Um, we not only be able to we not only have to be able to make progesterone, we have to be able to utilize it and stress hormones will block the receptors for, for progesterone. Um, and so we could be making enough, but not be able to utilize it. And that totally sucks because, you know, it's there, we just can't use it. Um, so, and, and over time that will tell the body, you know, oh, like we have all these mini emergencies. We're, we're dealing with a survival situation. Let me try to shut down and wind back the energy we're spending on reproduction. And let me uh, send it to more pertinent and you know important things to keep you alive. So it'll start to shift energy from reproduction to uh, more of the survival mechanisms, like keeping your heart pumping, your blood pressure high. Uh, so that's really important. And I can't tell you enough, like how much of a difference it makes, not only in people's period health, but like their mood. Um, and their libido as well. So just uh, try to do that. And the way you do it is, you know, definitely different for different people because different people can handle different amounts of carbohydrates and fats and things like that. But my one rule is always pair protein with a carbohydrate and, um, you know, experiment within that to find your sweet spot. Yes. Oh my goodness. So important. I definitely fell into the camp for so many years of under eating and like crazy blood sugar swings because I was just basically eating protein and hardly any carbs, you know? And I, I think it's so important to talk about the balance of protein and carbs because we hear so, at least in my world, like when I was going through school and stuff like that, like I just, I felt like there was people hit on protein so much to balance blood sugar, right? But it's, it you need both of them to balance your mm -hmm. blood sugar. It's not just about like having protein, right? You need the carbs in there too. So that's super important. So Lauren, I could keep talking to you. I have more questions. I know we're like kind of getting close to the end of the show. So I'm deciding where to go from here. Maybe we'll just have to have you on for another episode in the future. <laughs> but let's Happy talk, to. Yeah, let's talk about our partners, like the male partner, if we're in that sort of relationship, how they can support their fertility. Because you talk a lot about that too. And I thought that'd be fun to bring into the episode. Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking that. Um I think it's so important and I'm actually working on a, a course for men uh, for preconception. Yeah, because it matters literally so much. Like women take it on a lot uh, because I find, especially with coaching women, they want to know why they want to learn how men just kind of want to want to be told what to do. So <laughs> if, they're, if they're not being told what to do by their partners, they're not going to do it, but it matters literally just as much as women. The research says it, uh, it shows it very clearly. Um, and there's also new research coming out that their sperm health upon conception not only affects epigenetic changes in baby's health, so the genetic part, but how the pregnancy goes, like your increased risk for something like preeclampsia, depending on sperm health. So the sperm health is not just about the baby. It's about your pregnancy too, um, which is kind of wild. Um, so it matters just as much for not only a healthy baby, but a healthy pregnancy. Um, and they should be doing a lot of the same things as you are. And their cycle for sperm is around the same time yours is. Not not the year, but you know, like about three months. Um, so it matters just as much. And I think that they should be doing the same things, you know, uh, uh, avoiding smoking. <laughs> well, these are like the really easy ones that you hear 
<laughs> and we'll be told, but like literally try to avoid smoking, uh, try to avoid alcohol, uh, try to avoid anything that's going to cause oxidative stress because that's what's going to degrade the quality of the sperm, the quality of the eggs. Um, you need to eat enough protein for sperm health. You need to eat enough carbohydrates for sperm health. Uh, fructose, which is a sugar uh, primarily from fruits mostly, um, but that literally powers sperm to get to where it needs to go. Um, minerals that you know support egg health and egg quality, they're about the same ones that support sperm health too. So B vitamins, uh, fat soluble vitamins like vitamin A and copper and magnesium and all those things. So um, really, really need to be focusing on those nutrient dense foods. Um, I think also, the hormonal aspect of the, you know, foods we just talked about, the tips that we just discussed, excuse me, the calories, um, the eating nose to tail, um, and the uh, balancing blood sugar. So men's testosterone will be, well, it pretty much defines sperm health. So you need testosterone and you need to make it. And how do you make it? You have less stress. <laughs> um, so the less stressed you are, the better. And what that means for you is balancing your blood sugar, eating enough calories, not over-exercising. Uh, definitely get exercise because that can help too. Uh, but you know, I think it's all within a certain range depending on the person. So um, you know, just as you might be wanting to detox heavy metals as well. That can definitely play a role in sperm health and your pregnancy. Um, microbiome health too, your gut health, his gut health matters. Um, trauma as well, that can definitely be passed on. There's something called a uh, visual, um, oh my gosh, I just read a paper about it recently. It was so interesting. The visual memories of literally your grandparents can get passed on to you. Um, and this is your grandfather or your grandmother. Uh, so it's just so interesting. And I think that, you know, there's so much opportunity for your partner to play a role. And if, you know, you are preparing for pregnancy, it's just as much on them for you to have a healthy child and a healthy pregnancy as it is on you. So I don't know, you know, maybe make them make them listen to this. <laughs> And um, I have a free sperm booster manual um, on my page, but you can start there and um, just know that more, more preconception stuff for men is coming. That's exciting. And we can link that up in the show notes too. So I do think now, even though I have more topics to get into, but I feel like if we dive into that, it'll just like open up a whole other thing. So Let's get into your course because I do want to make sure we talk about that before the episode wraps up. So can you share with everyone more about your course? Because like I said at the beginning of the show, I have it. It is amazing. And I honestly, I really wanted your recipes too. I kept seeing you make like that hidden liver smoothie. And I was just like, I, like I'm just going to buy this course because I really want to know <laughs> how she makes this smoothie. And it's so good. But anyways, yeah, just kind of give everyone a little bit of an overview or what to expect from your course. Oh, thanks for asking. I really appreciate that. It was definitely a labor of love. Um, and I'm currently actually releasing or working on the version two of this course, um, which Got is that. going to be coming. Yeah, um, it's coming this fall, winter. Um, and I don't have an exact launch date for it yet, but basically taking all the feedback from students um, and also expanding upon different topics. Uh, but essentially it's, how to prepare for pregnancy and put your best foot forward into pregnancy and also get pregnant. So, you know, to kind of figure out, depending on your situation, what you can do, uh, how long you should prepare, um, how you can detoxify if you need to or want to incorporate that, um, how you can improve progesterone levels if you are lacking in them, how you can regulate irregular cycles for the better, um, how you can support gut health and all the things that we imprint on our babies, like hormone health, nutrition status, uh, trauma and stress. There's, I'm expanding on that. Um, also though, pelvic floor, 
uh, as well is really big and important to work on now. Um, there's also, you know, it plays a role in how regular our cycles are as well. And if we might be having issues, you know, conceiving, that could play a role too. So expanding upon that even more in this next version, um, there's also lots of movement. So if you wanted to prepare and train for labor, uh, prepare for pregnancy, there's a lot of changes that our body goes through. And so going into pregnancy strong so that we maybe experience less pain um, or I should say discomfort um, <laughs> in our lower back, for example, um, stuff like that. Um, I have a program that is part of the course as well. Um, so it's really just an all-in-one um, and a lot of the stuff that I'm adding is really exciting. And it's about, um, you know, fertility treatments, um, different fertility issues, uh, PCOS, endometriosis. Uh, there's going to be lots of very specific bonus content on how to do this if you have this specific issue. Um, so really excited about it. I have so much work to do, but I'm looking forward to releasing uh, this next version. That is very exciting. So maybe when the next version is out, we'll have you back on and we can hit on all the other questions I had for you. I'd yeah, love I'd that. love that. Good. <laughs> awesome. Well, I do have one last question for you. I ask all of my guests, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? And I know I didn't give you a heads up about this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I think, um, wow. I think probably knowing yourself um, is really important. And if that's uh, any, if this, if this year in particular has taught me anything, <laughs> it's just to know yourself and become familiar with yourself. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people maybe uh, they, they adopt habits or, you know, try to avoid looking inward uh, because it's uncomfortable. Um, but if we can, the more in tune we can get with ourselves, whether that's our physical body, like our hunger cues or, um, you know, just what makes us happy or what makes us not happy and what we want out of life. I think the more, the more fulfilled we will feel and the, the more that we'll have a North star to follow, um, which is us and we'll find our path much easier and we'll find, we'll always be on the right path because it's us. So I think, you know, and it's hard to break somebody like that. Um, so I guess that's what I would say. <laughs> I love that, Lauren. Thank you so much. I enjoyed sitting down with you today and I'm excited for our next episode together. <laughs> Likewise, Meg, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you.